No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Get motivated, inspired, inspiration for today. Let's pray together. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart, that your word would be revealed to me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can proclaim it and do it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been finishing off the series that we started while we were fasting, a fresh start with a new vision. And I just want to remind you of the verses that we were focusing on last week and the week before as an introduction. 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. I write to you, fathers, because you know him is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the things of the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, we're finishing with Focus Success. It's part three of the sermon. And um, the point I want to start off with today is this. To see a powerful life with confidence, you've got to abide in Jesus. All right? I, I really want you to hear what I'm telling you today. You've got to abide in Jesus. Abide means that you live in Jesus. Abide means that you take up residence inside Jesus. Abide means that every single morning you're getting up and you're having an encounter with Jesus. Let me tell you what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus. The first thing that happens is that you end up in a place where you see that without Him, without the cross, you see just how far you fall short of the glory of God. You see what challenges you have that are separating you from God. You stop seeing all the other things that all the other people are doing to you. I want you to realize this today. That if you are not abiding in Jesus, you have issues with people. If you have issues with people, as you're sitting here today, please understand what I'm telling you. You are not abiding in Jesus. Jesus is not resident in your heart. Because if Jesus is resident in your heart, you're going to know, I need the cross. I need the blood of Jesus. That everything that I have comes by what Jesus did on the cross for me. Everything. You'll be focused on the message. You'll be focused on the Bible. You'll understand what my wife spoke about when she held up a Bible and she said, Have you eaten today? You'll understand that. You'll understand why that is the case. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 says this, And now, little children, abide in Him, <clears throat> that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. 
If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So in, in order to practice righteousness, you've got to practice Jesus. You've got to do what Jesus did. Okay, and Jesus had this incredible intense relationship with the Father. And Jesus was completely and utterly and totally led by the Holy Spirit. That I want you to hear today. I want you to get that. I also want you to get this. That Jesus is coming back one day. He's coming back. And here's the thing. When he comes back, you're either going to be in fear or you're going to rejoice. Because he's going to hold you to account. When the world sees Jesus is coming back, he's going to hold you to account. I want you to realize today that Jesus, when he comes, is going to bring out all the issues from your life. And he's going to have a discussion with you about what you did with the life that he gave you. And when he comes back, you're either going to be ashamed or you're going to be confident before him. You have the choice. Now, to abide in him, you need to plan. We spoke about this, focus success. You need to plan tomorrow morning to spend time with him. You need to plan to read the Bible. You need to know what God wants to do with you in your life. You need to be hearing from the Lord. You need to be speaking to God. You need to have God speaking to you. And let me tell you something else. When you abide, you become a leader. Okay, when, when God touches you, you cannot help but change. You become a leader. People automatically start following you. And if you're not leading in church, you're leaving something on the field. You're leaving something on the field of life. The Lord has called you to go out and to reach people. And I want to ask you a question today. How desperate are you to learn in church? How desperate are you to learn the word, word, the word of God? How desperate are you to have an encounter with Jesus? I want, to I want to suggest to you that many of you are not desperate. And are you desperate enough that you have a notebook? That you're taking notes? That you're saying, I want to get this. I want to understand this. I'm going to write this stuff down because this stuff's going to change my life. You say, I don't need a notebook. My question to you will be, why don't you need a notebook? Let me tell you what happens. The only people that do not write notes when they're hearing something that they desperately want to learn are those who can't read and write. Any person who can read and write, they automatically take notes if they desperately want to learn something. If you don't really get it, if you don't really hear, you, you won't be able to apply it because you don't know it. And you cannot apply what you do not know. Now, there's a place called Asbury. In America, it's in the state of Kentucky. There is an old Methodist seminary there. They had a massive revival there in the 1970s. And I first heard about it about two days into it because one of the people that I know that used to live here, they now live in Canada, and this person is actually a pastor. They actually put a post up on Instagram that they went to chapel service at 10 o'clock that Wednesday morning. Not this Wednesday, the previous Wednesday. They went to their normal one, one or one and a half hour chapel service at 10 a.m. 
They have to go to three chapel services a week because they get credit for it. So in other words, you can't miss chapel. They have a chapel service every day, but you have to go to three. Otherwise, you lose your grades. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, many of the people just go there because they get their grades. And this guy then stood up and he spoke about Romans chapter 12. We went through Romans 12 last, last year and spoke about what love is. And he asked, he started off by asking the, the, the students that were there the question, do you love me? He said, no, seriously, do you love me? And he said, now I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to make you very uncomfortable. He said, ask your neighbor, do you love me? And then he went through from Romans 12, basically 13 verses that have got, I think it's 30 commandments about love, about what love is. You know, minor things like loving your enemies. Minor things like that, loving your enemies. Now, I want you just to think about this for a second. He then tells them, the problem with many of you is that the love that you've experienced is perverted love. Because the people that have loved you haven't been able to love you fully. And the love that you've shown people is perverted love. Because it doesn't fit with his love. As is described in, 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 in um, Romans chapter 12. It's also described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And then he spoke about the fact that so many of you, you've been hurt by perverted love. You've been hurt by that in the past. And some of you, you can't show proper love now because you've been hurt in the past. And then he said this. He said, all I have, I have to have a coffee with someone later this afternoon. We're going to invite you after some time of worship to come here. And if you need prayer over this, if you need God to fill you to the brim with his love. Then he said, we're going to pray. And as long as it takes, we're going to pray. And so the worship team started singing. People started coming forward for prayer. And guess what? The service is still going on. I don't know if you heard what I said. The service is still going on. I was watching it last night. And the testimonies that are coming out are this. I come into that place. I realize how far I fall short of the glory of God. I realize how desperately I need a Savior. I realize the value of the cross. There's an attitude of repentance that comes up inside of me. And God is doing something incredible there. Now I want to say this to you. For anyone that was a part of this church prior to 2013, they will know that something shifted at the beginning of 2013, where all of a sudden it was like a fire went, all of a sudden the church was full, everything was packed, <clears throat> the, the, the worship which had been good before went to a whole nother level. We would have worship teams from Big churches come to our church, to the youth meeting, and say this is the best group they've ever seen. Best youth group they've ever seen and stuff like that. I remember the one time the lady who is now the wife of the pastor of Yilsong Church, Lucinda Dooley, she came to preach in 2015 at J-Activation. And um, she was mesmerized by what she saw coming from Yilsong. She was mesmerized. And um, I remember I saw her the following year, and she asked me how it's going. 
the most passionate church ever. She said all that stuff like that. And then I said, well, it's going well. We've doubled. So from 2015 to then in 2016, we had doubled in number. So what, the reason I'm telling you that, if you've been in this church for a long time, you've seen what a revival looks like. And you know how many lives have been changed. Not everyone has responded faithfully, but there are a number of people that have grown up in this church that today are driving cars. Some of them even own houses, and they would never have had this stuff had they not come into the ministry of this church. Now, I want to challenge that because that's disloyal. When God moves, he has a lesson. People's lives change. Now, I want you to realize your life will only change if you apply it. When God shows you this is your life, this is what you need to repent of, unless you do what he's telling you to do, your life won't change. And this is what you need to hear as I'm standing before you today. If you don't apply it, it won't happen. Tell the person next to you, if you don't apply it, it won't happen. I want you to realize every single one of you has a calling of God on your life. And the first place that you have a calling with is to have a relationship with Him. The second place that you are called, and this is the title of the G12 conference, is you are called to be the light of God in your home. I don't care if you're the child, if you're the mother, the father. In your house, you are called to be the light. The first place that you are called to be the light is in your house with the people who know you the best. You are called to be the light of Jesus in your home. The people who live with you are supposed to see the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. You are called to be the light. And then out of the overflow of your home, and this is what many people in our church have never gotten about the vision, it starts in your home. I mean, we've had people that have left our church and said, we want to go to other church where it's all about family. You've missed the boat. You know nothing. You've never done the vision. It starts in your home. It starts with being happily married. It starts with the relationship between the parents and the children and all. It starts there. Without that, you've got nothing to offer the world. If your home is broken, what do you go out to the world with? You go out to the world and tell them about something you haven't got. The world will not listen to you. It's got to start there. And in order for it to be in your home, it's got to start in you. It's got to start with you getting up, having an encounter with Jesus, actually wanting an encounter with Jesus. And then what happens when you get to that place? You end up in the position whereby all of a sudden people start coming to you because they see the light. Now, I also want to tell you in terms of this, and I want you to listen, because God wants to bring about revival that changes South Africa. God wants to bring about revival that changes the whole of the south of Johannesburg. And the people he's going to use to do it are you. And if you don't do it, the place is going to stay the same. Stop complaining about the crime. Stop complaining about the potholes. Stop complaining about the load shedding. Stop complaining about all the stuff you complain about. And start realizing it's not going to change until I change. Because until you change, nothing will change. It's when you change, everything around you is going to start changing because you are the light. And Jesus has commanded you to shine in dark places. Jesus has commanded you to do that. To shine your light before men so that they may give praise to God the Father in heaven. That is what he has called you to do.
And then what happens is this. We see in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. It says, one day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let us go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. Then we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. So now here's the thing. Here's the thing. To grow, you first of all need to go. And you need to go somewhere from where you are. You need to go somewhere from where you're at. You need to go to the place of receiving. Now, guys, this is the place of receiving. Even I have a place to go to. I have a pastor. I have a place of receiving. And here's the thing. We've had challenges with the building. I've had many conversations with my pastor who's very experienced when it comes to all of this stuff. I've had many conversations with him. And whenever he books a meeting, everything stops. Everything stops. All right, I jump. I jump unless I have to go to court or something like that, you know, like an appointment like that, like court. Appear in court or you go to jail, you know, one of those type of appointments. That's, that's the kind that will stop me. But other than that, I don't stop. So the, the thing is now, the place of receiving is church. Now the thing is, I want to ask you, why are you in church? And do you listen? Do you listen? And um, what are you willing to do to get to church? What are you willing to give up to get to self? What are you willing to, 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 to give up to have a leader that can be in your life, that can help you. I want you to realize something. When I sit with people, and I mean I've sat with people in marriages and then all hell's breaking loose and everything, and you know what I find? Most of them don't listen. They end up divorced. And they all have these incredible reasons for breaking their vows that they made Normally in front of a congregation. Normally people spend an inordinate amount of money on a wedding. You may see some of the weddings I've done and it's like there's gold here and there's silver there. You know, not even copper. I mean, many of you are into copper, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you get the copper and you go there by the corner by pick it up and then you burn the, cop, the, the, the plastic right there somewhere. I mean, I was looking at this with Calvin yesterday. Right there... Like in front of pick it up, cop cars are driving past. They're actually burning the copper wires that they've stolen. They're burning the plastic off, and then they're going to go and sell it. In front of pick it up. Can you believe it? But the weddings aren't even interested in the copper. And you know how many times, 11 months later, 10 months later, they're getting a divorce? And many times I'll, I'll always sit down and I'll tell them, this is what you need to do if you want this wedding to work, if you want this marriage to work. And then I listen. Because I know too much. Ask the person next to you, say, do you know too much? Yeah. Ask him, listen, do you love me? Ask him, do you love me? All right, now some of you are feeling uncomfortable. Because you're thinking other stuff. Now listen to me. 
Go means you're going to the place where you're going to receive. Going to the place means you go physically. But going to the place means you also go mentally. It means you go and you give your attention. You give your attention. You listen. Are you hearing me today, Active Church? You listen. You receive. You take it on board. You're going to do something because you go and then you get. So in other words, going and putting your attention means you're going to get. You're saying, I'm going and I'm going to receive something. I'm going to receive something so that I will have something to give. I will have something to give to God. I will have something to give myself. I will have something to give my family. I will have something to give the world around me. I will have something to give at my workplace, my school place, my university place, wherever. I'm going so I can get, so I'll have something to give. I want to tell you, guys, the problem with South Africa is not Sir Ramaphosa. The problem with South Africa is not the ANC. The problem with South Africa is not Eskom. The problem with South Africa is not corruption. The problem with South Africa is you don't have anything to give. Because you don't go to get. What did you do with the fast? We fasted in January. What did you do with the fast? What did you do with the prayer meetings? Did you link in with the prayer meetings? We taught you how to pray. Let me tell you, your mind would have been blown if you were in the prayer meetings every single day. What do you do with attending your cell group? With hearing what your leader's got to say? With sharing what you've learned with other people around you? What are you doing with that? What are you doing with the five priorities that we spoke about two weeks ago? The five priorities. God first. You second. Your family third. The fourth priority is ministry. The fifth one is work. What have you done with that? What are you doing with your thinking? What are you doing to change your thinking? Because let me tell you something. I'm looking at every one of you. Your thinking needs to change. If you're going to see the power of God, if you're going to see the glory of God break forth and burst forth onto you, if you're going to see Almighty God setting fire to you, your thinking has to change. And out of that changed thinking comes faith. God will build up a faith inside of you. And out of that faith will come dreams. God will speak to you in visions and dreams. He will tell you about what it, what it is that He wants to do with you, through you, and in you, right where you are. One of the things that's happening with that revival is that people are traveling six hours and even from other countries to get there. But here's the thing. God didn't call you to go six hours to go to a revival that's happening somewhere else. God called you to do what you're supposed to do where you are and let the fire of God work in you so that revival breaks out around you. Do you take notes? Or do you talk to your friend in church? Are you taking notes or are you on WhatsApp? Taking notes. Give him a round. What's your name? Sorry? Keith. Give him a round of applause. That's Keith. He's taking notes. And Keith's friend's talking to him. Now I can see all of you. Then I'll tell you, you're talking. I'm watching you. Maybe that's why we're here. Because it's not just...
Keith's friend that talks in church because it's not important. I don't need to take notes. What does that pastor know? What has he got to offer me? I just go for the vibe or there's this chick that's hot or whatever it may be. This guy, you know, oh, whatever. I, I don't need to hear that. Or, or, or I'm just going to take some of the stuff that I think applies to me. Some of the stuff doesn't apply. Listen, the stuff you think doesn't apply to you is the stuff you need to listen to the most. At the end of the day, if you don't get, your life stays where it is. And some of you are sitting here in the church and you're poor. Can I tell you about poor? Tell the person next to you, say, no, Jim, say, he's going to tell you about poor. If you're poor, listen to me, I will help you out. If you're poor and it's happening with many people, I will sponsor you like to go on the conference. If you're poor, I will fetch you and I will take you everywhere you need to go with the Lord's things. Not for you to go visit your chick, Musa. I'm not going to take you there. All right? And, and hear what I'm telling you. But if it's now 2023, if in 2033 you're still walking on your feet, I'll ride you over. I will literally aim to destroy you because you haven't grown. What have you done with what I've given you? Why are you still there? Why are you still in that place? What are you doing? You're coming to church. What are you doing to get? There's no better place to get than in the house of God. What are you doing with what you get? The word of God doesn't change you unless you apply it. It doesn't change you. So you go. And you get, they got logs. So now, now what? You start building. Amen? So those of you that are here, look out that window. Imagine a roof and it's all full of people. You should be going, yo. Full of people. Because the next time we have a place, because that, that's what we're going to do here. Yeah? Look at this deck. There's sweets here, by the way. You can come buy sweets, eh? 10 rand and 20 rand. There's a special, the store, amen. You can get a coffee as well. But I want you to look out there. When that roof's closed, we're going to fill it. But what are you going to do to change so we fill it? Because at the end of the day, why must God give us a roof if you're not going to change? God's called you to be the light. And so, what do you do with what you're supposed to build? Every Christian is called to build. South Africa is a broken place. And what does South Africa need for it to come right? It needs builders. It needs people who are going to go out there and they're going to put their muscles in. And they're going to be something that South Africans are terrible at. They're going to be loyal. People are backstabbers in this country. We complain about people being two-faced, but the average Saifian is two-faced. 
And I, I'm, I'm in, Patrick, I'm including the Congolese that live here. You're also Savians, you live here. Luange. Don't come in DRC stuff. You know, yeah, you're Savian, you live here. Luange. Luange van Ameva. <laughs> you understand? There's some surnames. You understand? They just belong here. But the thing is, at the end of the day, Savior is broken. And think about it, when a place is broken, think about where floods, or think about Turkey, who's just had all those earthquakes. So what's going to happen for all those broken buildings to be built back? Someone has to build. And I want to tell you, we may not have had an earthquake in the natural, but South Africa's had many earthquakes in the spiritual realm, and the buildings are flat. And all there is is rubble. If you look at all the families, all there is is rubble. And many of you, you're stuck in the rubble. You're waiting for some of those workers that are there in Turkey to come and to pull you out. And I'm telling you, yeah, I'm the worker today. Because I'm the one that's bringing you the word today. And I'm busy there. And some of you are digging to go back in deeper because you're hearing things move and you're scared. So you're digging into the building away from the rescuer that's trying to pull you out there. And the thing is, at the end of the day, you first need to be rescued. That's why first you have to go. You've got to get to the place where you can receive. And then you've got to get. You've got to take it in and you've got to say, I'm going to do this. Say, I'm going to do this. Okay, look at, them. Look at the person next to you like me and say, I'm going to do this. Say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Say, Titi, say to Musa, I'm going to do this. They say, I'm going to do this. Like Omega, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You got to go, you got to get. And then what you get, you got to go and build. And it starts off with building, the rub, building out of the rubble in your own home. And as you're building out of the rubble in your own home, people start seeing that. They start seeing, wait a second, this home is coming right here. Dude, what are you doing? Or do that, depending. What are you doing? Then, then you share. I'm telling you about, you start telling them about Jesus. You start telling them about what it's like to have an encounter with Jesus. You start telling them about how he touches you and he fills you with his love. And you start experiencing the love of Almighty God. You start telling them about how God just fills you up to the brim and the stuff just starts bubbling out of you. And all of a sudden your family that hated you now love you. Because all of a sudden now you've changed. You're now nice to be around. You weren't nice before. And you realize because suddenly people in your family you never thought would have come to you are now coming to you and they're asking you for advice. And you're thinking, gee, but you are fighting with me. You're telling me I'm good for nothing, useless. You're wasting your life in the church, all sorts of stuff you're telling me. Now you're asking me advice. You're asking me about how to deal with your wife. I'm not even married. I'm in grade 11. And you're asking me to help you with your marriage. You see, when you start becoming the light, that's the extent to which you will start impacting people. People will come to you, grade 11, and they will ask you, how do I sort out this thing with my wife? And you know what the worst part is? You'll actually have an answer. Because the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Jesus said he will not leave you in that time without a word. You will know what to say to that person. You will know 
from what you see, what you read in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you and spark something, and you'll say it. Maybe you won't even know what you're saying. And all of a sudden, they'll realize, gee, that's the answer. You know when you, when, you know when you hear from God. And I want you also to realize this. You know God when you know the will of God. So tomorrow when you get up, how do you know if, if you know God? What does God want you to do tomorrow? If you know, you know you know God. If you don't know what God wants you to do when you wake up tomorrow morning, it means you don't know God. And you know God when you do the will of God. When you start doing what God has told you He wants you to do. When that happens, then you know God. And, and, and I want you all to listen. There's something incredible that happens. You know what happens when you start doing the will of God? God takes that knowledge that you've received. Now you start doing the stuff according to that which God's already revealed to you. God takes a whole lot of other knowledge and He adds that onto you. All of a sudden, you start having insight and revelation and understanding that you never had before. And God just keeps piling it on. Once you start doing the stuff that God has called you to do, He just adds it on. And then what starts happening is people start seeing you as a source of wisdom. When you become the light, people start seeing you as a source of wisdom. And then you continue in the will of God, being sustained by the Holy Spirit. Right now, I want you to close your eyes right where you're sitting. And I want you just for a second, I just want to take a few seconds today. Just for a few seconds, become aware of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. I just want you to become aware. If your ears are open, the Lord's talking to you right now. Hear what God's saying to you. Holy Spirit, just move over the people that are in the service right now. Holy Spirit, just touch those that are here right now. Glorious God, just speak to every heart right now. Bible says be still and know that I'm God this is what God says to you sometimes you need to just be still in a room in a quiet place and know that he is God when you become the light of the world that's why you need to get up in the morning early like Jesus did and you need to pray because 
later on, people are going to be coming to you wanting stuff, wanting answers. And you need to get something from Jesus or you'll have nothing to give. And this morning when I was praying for the service today, the Lord laid on my heart to tell you, as the Holy Spirit, I believe, has ministered to many of you already. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you about the love of God. That you've been thinking that at the end of the day, you need to do all of this stuff to impress God. You need to do all of these things to be right with God. And the Lord is saying, no, I want you to love me from the place where you know that I first loved you. I loved you to such an extent that I sent my son Jesus to die on the cross for you. And Lord, I'm asking right now that you just download a revelation of your love into every heart that is in this room today. God loves you. God wants to touch you. The Lord saying, did you hear him? The word of the Lord to you is, I love you. Are you listening to me? I love you. You don't trust me, but I love you. I showed you my love when my son died on the cross for you. Lord, just pour your love into their hearts right now. Lord, I'm praying that every single person here right now would just begin to experience that incredible love, a love which we cannot know with our minds. Because it's a perfect love, it's not a perverted love. Lord, it's a kind of love that loves one's enemies. Lord, you ask us to love our enemies because before we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are your enemies. And yet as your enemies, you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And now you ask us to love our enemies in response to the fact that you loved us when we were still your enemies. And you didn't try and get us or pour your wrath on us. You sent your only son to die for us. Lord, let us feel this love. Lord, let let this love fill our hearts. And Lord, I pray that every single person in this room would just experience what it's like to have an encounter with you, especially if they've never had one.
And Lord, those who've forgotten what it's like to have an encounter, I pray that you would remind them right now that they'd experience your touch, that they'd experience your presence. Lord, fill us up. We're yearning for you, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. If you're wanting God to fill you up with His love, right where you're sitting, just raise your hands so that the Lord sees you. Just raise your hands up high. The Lord sees you. And as you raise your hand, He's filling you. He's touching you. You're saying, Lord, I'm giving you permission. He's not going to force His love on you. You can refuse His love. He's given you that choice. You can hold on to your issues. You can hold on to your broken life. He's given you that choice. He will not force His love on you. But He wants to lavish His love on you. So just raise your hand up high if you want Him to fill you. Father God, I just pray you see every hand that is raised. Lord, every hand that is raised, they have given you permission right now. And Lord, we're just going to wait a few moments for you to do your work in their heart. Now just sit there with your hand up. With your eyes closed, look up to God. And just drink from the fountain of his love right now. some of you sitting here right now I declare in the name of Jesus that he's ministering to your broken heart some of you are being healed right now of, of stuff receive it by faith you've given him permission some of you have been feeling empty and dry and the Lord's been filling you 
just feel his presence and his life just bubbling over inside of you. You can put your hands down, but just keep your eyes closed. Some of you have resisted God. You've resisted God in this place. And you're entitled to do that. But if you resist His love for long enough, you will receive His wrath. And so those of you who have resisted and anyone else, my question to you is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, you'll go to heaven? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your sins are forgiven? That by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, every sin that you've ever done, every sin that you've ever thought is forgiven. Do you know this with everything that you have? Do you have a conviction inside of yourself that your life has a purpose and it has a meaning? You can know that before you leave the service today. And how do you know this? Romans 10, 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want you to realize today, every single one of you, that today your eternal destiny is at stake. And some of you, even when I spoke about receiving the love of God, you've been struggling. You know who you are. I just know there are people here that have resisted. You've been struggling. But you know who you are and God knows who you are because He's been speaking to you and He's been challenging you. So I want you really just to think about your struggle. And the Lord is saying, what are you struggling for? The Lord is saying, there's my altar. My altar sanctifies everything. And don't delude yourself into thinking you're going to have a more effective prayer time later. The Lord is saying to you, now is the time. This is the time. And those of you that have resisted the love of God this morning, the Lord is speaking to you. And He's saying, what are you resisting for? Because when you resist, all you're doing is you're living on your own. And you have to defend everything that you do. And the reason that you have to defend everything that you do is because you do not know my love. And you're having to make yourself right in the eyes of other people all the time because you do not know my love. But to receive the love of God, you've got to submit to Him.
like a rocket, I'm into the sky Nothing can stop me tonight You made me feel it